Welcome to the SC Yoga Girl Podcast. I'm your host, Melanie Deal, a certified yoga teacher and integrative health and wellness coach. The goal of this podcast is to provide you with helpful tools and information that will help you better understand the connection between yoga, mindfulness, and movement in bite-sized episodes so that you can break through the barriers in your life. Let's get started because yoga, it's the real deal. Welcome to season three, episode five of the SC Yoga Girl podcast. In today's episode, we'll be wrapping up our discussion on the Yoga Sutras. So the first four episodes of this season, we've been digging a little bit deeper into the sutras with an overview, some historical context. We've discussed the first three of the four chapters. And so today we'll be finalizing this series with delving into the fourth chapter of the Yoga Sutras, which is called the Kaivalya Pada. So get comfortable and we'll get started. Now that you're comfortable, let's dig into the fourth and final chapter of the Yoga Sutras. This chapter is labeled as the Kaivalya Pada, and Kaivalya translates to liberation. This chapter consists of 34 sutras, and this is the chapter where Patanjali covers the different subjects that all lead to enlightenment or that final liberation. It is in this chapter where Patanjali contrasts the individual mind with the universal mind. And if universal mind is a confusing term, it may help to think of it as pure consciousness. And we'll get into what that means a little bit later in this discussion. But Patanjali explains here how the mind is constructed and how it can veil the inner light of the self. That's self with a capital S. This chapter describes how to deal with the natural breaches of enlightenment so that we can get to that place of final liberation, which is the end achievement of yoga. And I want you to remember that that means it's the end achievement of your spiritual journey. We all are working towards that enlightenment or that bliss, whatever that means to you as an individual. As we've done in the previous episodes around the sutras, I'll refer to different groupings of sutras so that it may help you tackle the material a little bit more easily in terms of being able to understand it. So we'll start first by talking about sutras 4.1 through 4.8. These are the sutras that describe evolution and the role that our actions have in the process of evolution. They examine the barrier between our typical waking state of consciousness and then the higher levels of consciousness. And these sutras state that we can remove some barriers by going inward. We can't necessarily construct self-realization, but we can remove the barriers to it. Then you get into sutras 4.9 through 4.12. These examine the idea that what we picture in our minds and what we would consider a real experience are not all that different from each other because all of our memories and thoughts of the past and the future exist only in the present moment. The appearance of past and present comes from how our minds have been conditioned, in other words. Sutras 4.13 through 4.14 introduce something called the three gunas. And gunas means the qualities of nature. And I think these are important to call out. And these are the three gunas. The first one is sattva. This is the characteristic of goodness, joy, satisfaction, nobility, contentment. 
It is free of fear, violence, wrath, and malice. Sattva manifests itself as purity, knowledge, and harmony. And most people want to increase this in their minds and bodies to reach that samadhi or that enlightenment. The second guna is rajas. This is characterized by a feeling of attachment and a longing for satisfaction and desire. It can manifest as passion, action, energy, and motion. And this is something that most people want to decrease in their minds and bodies. And then the third guna is tamas. This is the consequence of ignorance and it prevents all beings from being able to see reality. And it can manifest as impurity, laziness, and darkness. And this is also something that most people want to decrease in their minds and their bodies. Sutras 4.15 through 4.28 examine how different minds perceive the same object in different ways. But through self-awareness, we can see the truth. We can gain awareness by watching and observing what our minds are seeing and being aware of the perceptions that might be coloring how we see things. Patanjali expresses in this grouping of sutras in detail how to remove all the obstacles in order to achieve samadhi. And then finally, we get to sutras 4.29 through 4.34. These describe what changes for us once we reach samadhi and what it feels like to have achieved liberation. That sounds like a super quick run through of these 34 sutras. Um, it's a wonderful chapter. There's even though this chapter only consists of 34 sutras. I think it's such a deep chapter because it's taking everything we've learned in the first three chapters or padas and pulling it all together. And one thing I really want to call out to you is this concept of how two people can experience the same situation, but see it very differently from each other. This is critical. This is, this is going back to that concept of how our experiences can color the way that we perceive a situation. And it is sometimes hard to be able to see another person's point of view. And I'll, I'll give an example of a professional situation that I've been in. So years ago, when I was sort of in the beginnings of my professional career in the IT world, I received a promotion. And it was something that I had been working for and I felt like I had really done all the things that I needed to do to prove that I was deserving of this promotion. So when I was told that I got the promotion, I was super happy. I was very proud of myself for having achieved that success. But I had a coworker who was not happy at all. And in her mind, I didn't deserve that promotion. She did. And she was unwilling to see anything about the situation that was good. She was unable to step back from her own perceptions and see the reality of the situation, like taking off those rose-colored glasses, so to speak. And if she had been able to do that, she might have been able to let go of her ego and her attachment to herself getting that promotion and instead be able to see how hard I worked for this as well. And maybe she was also deserving, but so was I. And she just unfortunately was unable to see that. And she experienced a lot of resentment. And if you think about those three gunas, um, she was 
probably experiencing a little bit too much rajas, that feeling of attachment, that longing for satisfaction and desire. In other words, I don't feel like I'm worthy unless I'm getting recognized and people are calling me out for all the wonderful things that I do. So that is a really great example of same situation, which is Melanie receiving a promotion, but two people seeing it in a very different way. You might might be able to figure out an example in your own life of you experiencing the same situation as a coworker, a friend, a family member, but your reaction to it being very different and your emotions and feelings about it being very different. So I'm going to wrap that up to what we said at the very beginning of this episode when we were talking about the difference between the individual mind and the universal mind. So when we're thinking from the individual mind, this is where you're in that state like my coworker was. She's only concerned about herself and the things that she wants for herself. Whereas when you're in that universal mind, that's when you're really able to see that you have a lot of sattva, that first guna in your life. That's the one again where you've got goodness, joy, satisfaction, and contentment in your life. There is no fear, there's no malice, and there's harmony. And so if you think about it, when we're in harmony with the others around us, with our whole world around us, that is when we are experiencing that pure consciousness, that universal mind, because we're doing things for the good of our community, for the good of the world, and not just for our own gains, our own perhaps selfish wants and desires and attachments. So hopefully that is something that you can think on as you are making your way through this fourth and final chapter on your own. Maybe meditate on it. Maybe meditate on an experience where you know that you had a very different reaction to the same situation as someone else. That's a great one to journal on and also even to just meditate on. So that brings us to the end of our discussion on the sutras. And when I say the end, you know that we'll probably refer to this in future episodes in some way, shape, or form. But I hope that these five episodes digging in deeper to the Yoga Sutras has helped you want to pick up your own copy if you don't have one already and begin your work to move yourself along your spiritual journey on the path to enlightenment and liberation. And if you do have a copy, if you've already made your way through the sutras, maybe something that was discussed in these episodes might give you a slightly different perspective or just a new way to see something that you've already internalized and learned in your previous review of the sutras. As always, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me. My contact information is in the show notes. I thank you for your time this week. Namaste and have a sparkling day. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure you listen, rate, review, and subscribe to the SC Yoga Girl podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you next time. Mm-hmm.